It's the Great Dante Read-Through. It's the Great Dante Read-Through, where we are reading through all of the comic strip, The Adventures of Nikolai Dante. Co-created by Robbie Morrison and Simon Fraser from the weekly science fiction anthology comic, 2000 AD. I'm Simon Fraser. And I'm Edie Nugent, freelance writer and Simon's wife. Join us as we swashbuckle our way through the Russian Empire of the future. Warning, there will be spoilers. We will be talking in depth about these comics, so if you haven't read them yet, listen at your own risk. To join our book club and read along with us, go to shop.2000ad.com to pick up the books in hard copy or digital. Today we're reading the first half of The Great Game, found in Prog's 1101 through 1110. Hello, Simon. Hi, Edie. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing good, You're thank good? you. Thank you very much. You're good? Thank you for so asking. So, I'm very excited. You We're are? getting into the great game Yeah, I'm excited today. about that too, actually, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the great game is where everything started working well. And, I mean, modesty aside, and I'm generally not a huge fan of my own work, I think the great you don't game, say. I think The Great Game is pretty good. I think it's really, it's a very, very solid story. And I'm very happy with it. I read it through again recently and I was like, damn, I'm it's, proud of this. It's great, this game. It's a great game. <laughs> um, so. So, uh, okay. Uh, so who wrote it? Who drew it? Who colored it? Who lettered it? We have. The Great Game is written by Robbie Morrison, as always. Um, it is drawn by Simon Fraser. with Colors, colors by Alison Kirkpatrick. And it is lettered by the incomparable Annie Parkhouse. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so we open in the past. In the past. I should point out we're starting, we're doing this in two parts because it's 60 pages. Oh, yes, so we should. So it's going to be two episodes. We, we can really compress it into one. Right. We didn't want to do it one super long episode. We'll do it from two separate ones. So anyway. Yes. So we, we created a dividing line yeah. down the behemoth that is the 60 plus pages of the right. great game. Yep. Um, and that will be our part one. So, so beginning of our part one begins in the year 2660. 2660. So this is six or seven years before the Dante we first met yeah. in yeah. The Adventures of Nikolai Dante. Right. And it's in Monaco, a place I've actually been a couple of times. So I was kind of, uh, I felt a certain weight drawing this because I was like, oh, I, I know Monaco. I've got to try and make it look like or feel like Monaco, even though you don't see an awful lot of it. But it's like, yeah, let's make some, let's do some Monaco. And we have another uh, opening bit by uh, one of Robbie's texts that he draws yes. from. Yeah. Um, from Nikolai Dante, a character assassination by various contributors. By various contributors. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good joke. Um, but uh, they do mention here that Dante's reputation as a thief and adventurer was second to none, even this long ago, even right. in 2660, which I don't know that I would have necessarily thought that of him so that's kind of right. new information for me that he was that well known he had a he had a rep not just a thief but as an adventurer adventurer that's yeah. a thing to have a reputation to be yeah um 
So, you know, it talks about Dante being alone from the age of 12 and learning the criminal arts from a number of infamous outlaws who helped turn him into the living embodiment of that ancient adage, never trust a thief. Okay. Okay. Uh, Also, can we get the adventures of young Nikolai Dante, like young Sherlock Holmes at some point? Because I want to see Dante Dante being turned into that thief, I feel like. We do kind of get bits. We We get bits of it over the next few years. Well, I'm looking forward to it. We see a few of the influences he gets. And Dante is in bed. being the place he's happiest. Being straddled by a lady. Definitely his happiest. His happy place. His happiest place. And he is having his ear pierced. Yeah. The famous Dante earring, yeah, which we have seen. Secret origin of the Dante earring. The the not so secret anymore, and he is having his ear pierced by a, a very beautiful woman mm-hmm. who has many earrings of her own. Yeah, and uh, we come to know that this is Ellie. He calls her Ellie on the yep. next page. Mm-hmm. Oh no, right here. Here Ellie. it is. Yep. Keep on moving, Ellie. It's the very first rule of thievery, apart from not getting caught. And the the. The, the, sh- the shock here, of course, is this is Dante pre-beard. There's no beard. No beard. He's, He's clean-shaven. Yeah. My yeah. goodness. And it says that they've been here for a few weeks. Yeah. And she's wishing they could stay longer. So it's right. been so rather they're, idyllic, I think. They've been having, some fun, they've been having a good time. I think we, we, Dante must be pretty young at this stage because I, I, I'd always just assumed that Dante, would, as he is quite a hirsute gentleman, probably grew a beard at the age of, like, 13 Right. Um, so I don't know why he's shaved it here, but I presume he could grow a beard even at that. By maybe he's like 17, 16, 17 right now. Yeah, I guess maybe he's just like enjoying being yeah. being clean shaven. Yeah. Um, there's like a point at which you accept a beard. Indeed. As a guy, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember it's, this. It's a, it's a kind of rite of passage. Yeah. And he's also, he, he doesn't look as nearly as hairy in the chest. We've just got a little bit of a, a dusting of hair. He's definitely he's a, young here. A youngster. And these kids are flopping around in this bed together. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a bag of riches next to it. Yep. It looks very much like the bag that the Contessa de Winter stole yeah. from the Dante. Carpet. The Gladstone bags. That is that's, the... It's the de among the, 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 the high, high-class thievery set. I see. Yeah. yeah, it's like you need to have this special attache case for your jewels. It's important. Style is important. <laughs> Points for style. Um, and she says to him, he, he tells her that he is the son of a pirate queen. He's sort of making all these great claims about how they can sail off into the sunset together. Mm -hmm. And she says, I can never tell when you're lying. There you go. Which strikes me as kind of a oof line. There's some foreshadowing going on there. And he says, I've never lied to you. It just doesn't work. I can't do it. The idea that we're meeting Dante. Yeah. Who can't lie to somebody. Well, we know it, we know it's important. We know yeah. this relationship because he's is already not a got trivial. a reputation by this point, right. according yeah. to the to the character assassination guide. So, but so she's special, this Ellie. Yeah, I she's think, special. I think it's fairly evident as we get through the story that they have good chemistry, to say the least. They seem very in love. Yeah. This seems more to me than just chemistry. They are being very lovey dovey yeah, here, no, um, and of course they are interrupted by the window of their very fabulous uh, mm-hmm. hotel room being blasted in. And uh, I love this look on Ellie's face when she's seeing who's who's busted in on their right. liaison and he doesn't, and Dante doesn't get it yet. No idea who she he is. He has no idea who these people are, but of course they are the warlords, mm-hmm. imperial mercenaries. And Dante thinks they're here for him, poor soul. Yeah, He's sitting here. Is it because of the... Cas- around him. <laughs> 
<laughs> is it the casino I robbed? Is it that I stole the Eiffel Tower out from under them? And it, no, get your hands off my daughter, says Elena D. Janissaire. Janissaire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she says, get your filthy hands off my daughter. And Dante is shocked, to say the least. Uh, and Ellie is a bit um, a bit chastened. There are some things I should have told you. So they don't know each other that well. No. They haven't had the who my parents are yeah, conversation. They actually met their parents, respectively. Um, it seems yes. that both their mothers are pretty formidable. Right. Well, on, the, on both these pages, we're hearing about the pirate queen, and then Dante yeah. is meeting the family. Yeah, there's never uh, fathers mentioned anywhere. No. I mean, we know who Dante's father is, but it's, he's never talked about as a father. Right. Uh, the mothers are, are unduly important in this relationship here. And um, then there's, there's this general Kavass guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this line. I'm trying to decide whether to kill him or merely cut off all the parts of his body which came in contact with her. Well, that's all of them. Whew. Safe to say at this Yeah. Point. All the good bits anyway. All the bits. All the bits. Um, and he says, if you grow up to be like your mother, you're dumped. <laughs> <laughs> just ever kind of, flippant uh, ever flippant um yeah. and she's saying that's why i ran away in the first place and rescue me and he says no problem right and then we have this horrible scene yeah where a fight breaks out dante uh uses a, a log from the fireplace to hit someone in the face um he manages to grab the bag and grab the girl but then general Cavass comes in behind him and, yeah. and knocks him out and grabs Eloise and has like It's never quite complete. What's going on with his them? eyes and his teeth? Yeah, because he's got these weird red pit eyes that look supernatural a little bit and yeah. these crazy teeth. Right. I don't it's never talked about. We don't really know enough about Kvass, but this is the great game is where we started to expand the universe out beyond the earth. So maybe Kvass is an alien, or maybe he's just genetically modified. We don't know, but the idea is that we, we we hint at a lot of things in this story. There's a lot of like world building, a lot of expansion, but we're not going to explain it because okay. that's not the world, the way the world works. Yeah. You're just going to have to run with it and go, yeah, you oh, learn as you go along. That's weird. I mean, let's go back to the tongue. It's like, it's a little weird, but let's roll with that. Yeah. Okay? I hear you. And, and he's terrible. Yeah. He's like grabbing her head and mm-hmm. putting his fingers in her mouth. I don't like any of it. Um, and he says he's going to kill her regardless of what her mother says, which seems yeah. pretty presumptuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nikolai is torn between saving the money yep. and saving the girl. Yeah. And what does Nikolai go for? Guess. The money. The money. Yeah. And... He runs away and says that he promises he'll rescue her. Right. And she's pretty upset and crying. And her mother says, don't feel bad. The boys taught you a lesson. Never trust a thief. And Dante In fairness, I mean, it's the right call. Because how the heck is he going to rescue her from her own family who are heavily armed mercenaries? I mean, they literally just busted down the windows of this hotel. He's a teenager wearing underpants. (laughs) And he's going to rescue this woman from her own a family. A whole crew of imperial yeah. mercenaries. I mean, not just not just any old angry no, family. No, no, no. It's imperial mercenaries. Right. So he's he's he makes the right call. Obviously it's a painful call, but he makes the right call here, I feel. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing here is that it looks as if he just cared about getting the money and didn't even try right. to make a show towards saving her. I think the important thing here is not that he made the right call, it's that how he feels about it. Right. And how she feels about it. And they both feel pretty terrible. Pretty fucking awful. Pretty awful. Um, that's okay. We can Sorry. swear a little no, bit. That's one of our this. two swears that's allowed. Okay. We no. don't want this to be an explicit podcast. To not say anything else rude. Which is a thing I discovered. Really? You have to code your podcast as to whether it's explicit or not. Um, so we have to be careful about how we talk about okay. things. So no more rudeness. Sorry, that was my one No, story. no, no. It's Dante. We definitely need rudeness. Okay. We just have to be, um, you know, stylistic in our rudeness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so then we cut to seven years later. So we're yep. back to where we've been. Right. Back to the future. Back to the future. Back to the future. And we're by the Czar's big face palace. Giant face palace. The face palace. Not remotely narcissistic at all. Not the floating egg, but the face palace. Yes. <laughs> the and buildings are amazing. And airships. Which is odd because I'm at, at this moment drawing airships in a, in a comic strip. And it's like, wow, I haven't drawn airships in a comic for a while. Yeah. Um, it seems How does to it feel? universal symbol of the future somehow. Mm. Some kind of weird retro future. It's like airships. Well, I mean, there was that whole thing where for a, a hot minute at the turn of the century, we all thought we were going to be traveling by airship. Yeah. And then the Hindenburg kind of screwed that Our up. Our 101 Hindenburg. Um, but I mean, for a while they were thinking they were going to land airships at the top of the Empire State Building in New York, like yeah. when they erected it, which I mean, is insane to me when you think about it It's not the worst now. idea in the world. I mean, they keep trying to bring back airships and they are, they are an effective means of transportation. They don't carry as much as you think, but for things like carrying heavy loads, they're mm. very, very efficient uh, because they're lighter than air. So, you know, you can literally move an awful lot of mass very cheaply well i i would love to ride in an airship so okay. i hope well, i hope we get there that could be our honeymoon okay <laughs> sounds great the the honeymoon that keeps getting postponed keeps getting for postponed, years and yeah. years that's the one we'll go to on our honeymoon for our 50th anniversary darling. okay babe. um okay so um imperial russia exists in a climate of fear i mean this is funny it's like seven years later russia exists in a climate of fear what was happening before it did not look like a great place then either <laughs> Um, but the, escalated. it's escalated, I guess, open, mm -hmm. open hostilities between yeah. mm -hmm. the Tsar Vladimir, the Conqueror right. and the House of Romanov have withdrawn once more into Machiavellian intrigue of politics and espionage. There and we go. have this great little, um, uh, interlude between Jenna and Michael this... Kine. <laughs> is okay. that who that is? That's... Yeah, it's Agent Kane, who is clearly inspired by Harry Palmer. Who was uh, a part that Michael Caine played in the Ipress file. I have Sorry. not seen that. You've not seen it? Oh, you, we've got to see that. We've yeah, see, we have to do it. Based on a Len Dayton novel. It's it's kind of the anti-James Bond. We Listen, do a lot of spy riffs in this thing. You know I'll watch anything with Michael Caine in it. Right. Well, so it's it's we're on, one of the best soundtracks on. ever. Uh, it's by, um, by um, uh, what's his name, James Bond? John Barry. Um, and um, Michael Caine basically plays the kind of uncool James Bond because he's got these big thick glasses on. I mean, his name is Agent Kane. Yeah, it's it's not subtle. <laughs> None of this is subtle. Oh, so it just said in the script, Robbie's script, like Agent Kane, who looks like Michael Kane. Michael Kane in the press. Got right. it. Yeah, that's right. Got it. Well, okay. Funeral in Berlin was the other movie. And they are standing the right underneath the nostrils. Yes. Of the Czar's face. Under the Czar's nose. Under the Czar's as you were. nose. Um, Can I just point out that the robots, the assassin robots, have mustaches. Mustaches. Yes. 
which is just there for affectation. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can argue that these, like, kind of fun sunglass-looking things are, like, yeah. our eyes, right? Arguably. But But this has no function, no, this mustache here. I just think it's funny to, for robots to have mustaches. <laughs> and uh, so they are jumping out of the airship, uh, mm-hmm. but unseen by Jenna and uh, Agent Kane. Yeah. Agent Kane is being super presumptuous. Yes. And he is saying that he's got this such good intel mm-hmm. that he expects to be handsomely rewarded, maybe even with the hand of Jenna herself. Right. Jenna steps on his glasses and his hand to let yeah. him know what she thinks of that, yeah. which is not very, not much. very much. And um, he's basically telling her that uh, the Dragutin? Dragutin, yeah. Dragutin, the Empire's greatest arms developers, he's been embedded with them. Yeah. And... They can, he can't tell her anything they don't already know. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, but what if I told you that they've created a weapon that could tear the world apart? Yeah. And you don't know about it. Yeah. Um, that could conquer the empire of Vladimir the Conqueror. Does that raise my bargaining power? And <laughs> Jenna shoves her fingers up his nose and... The the upper arm strength on Jenna. She is holding him by her fingers up his nose yep. over the edge of a balcony. Yeah, she's formidable. That's yeah. impressive. She's, I don't know if it's possible. She did not omit any of her core strength exercises that month. Right. I mean, this is yeah. this is some crazy bicep. I mean, they do say that your fingers are actually way stronger than anybody thinks mm-hmm. they are, right? right? Your fingers are, like, amazing. Yeah. But this is this is impressive, even yep. for that. And he uh, is successfully terrified and mentions the Dark Star. They call Dark. it the... And then we have the descending mustachioed robots. Yeah. One of them drives a knife through this guy's head uh-huh. and splatters blood all over Jenna. And the ravens kick in, the raven corps kick into high gear, yeah. defending the princess. Yeah. Um, and uh, she turn. says, quick, throw those those robots over the roof because they could be bombs. And just as she's saying that, they explode. Because they're bombs. Which is Woo-hoo. like, you know, Jenna is, she's like, thinks quick on her feet. She's effective. She really knows her stuff. Listen, she seems it. definitely like the most effective in-command person we've seen who like isn't a czar. You know, or trying to get the czar's seat. She is her father's daughter in that respect. She really... She knows what she's doing, and she's very competent. She, clearly. So um, that's, that was one of the things that was very important for, for Jenna from the beginning, that she'd be very competent. Yeah, she's be very super, charming, but she's super But she's honest. just super, like, smart. She's, like, yeah, yeah. really thinking quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Jenna is about to get exploded mm-hmm. by one of these bits of the robot that mm-hmm. hasn't gotten thrown over the edge. Yeah. He's he's crawling towards her with a knife mm-hmm. and an unseen person, unseen person takes out the robot. Wearing a great coat. Wearing a great coat and with a suspiciously familiar goatee. Yeah. Um, and she's looking around to see who just saved her life. And of course it's Dante but she hiding. See that. She does not see that. Yeah. But we see it. Yes. We, the audience, see mm-hmm. Dante hiding behind a, looks like a large golden statue of the Tsar. And he says, I like to live dangerously. I like to live dangerously. Says, and the crest is kind of like, what are you doing? Saving the life of this woman who keeps trying to have you killed. And he's, that's his response. I yeah. like to live dangerously. Mm-hmm. So... Then we move on, and yeah, yeah. that was that was a heck of a of a first. Their their 
like individual parts within this great epic and that was like part one which that represents a couple of frogs I, I think we got was a lot done that was more than six pages was it more than six pages? yes one wait one two two three three four, four five. five six seven eight Nine. 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 Nine pages, okay. You got that's, a lot done in nine pages it's still. It's still a lot done in nine pages. I feel like I read a 22-page yeah, comic for sure. Like it has that that feeling. But we open on uh, Dante surrounded by beautiful women, mm-hmm. all grabbing him from different mm-hmm. different areas of his body. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I, I like this little little peace sign on the butt of this yeah, lady. I, What's I, going on there? I remember reading comics back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that was the symbol that you could buy a stick, a, a, a button or a badge or something, or a, or a, a patch and sew it onto things. And it was this kind of V sign with the American, with the American Stars and Stripes. And I'm like, it always kind of like stuck in the back of my head. So I thought, well, I'll put it on her ass. Yeah. Because that's a good detail. That's cute. Yeah, again, um, let's imply the world here. That right. America exists. That's maybe the first sign in this whole comic that America that exists. America exists. Yeah. Um, well, I love all the different lingerie you've mm-hmm. you've designed. I did have and some fun with that. You you clearly did. I mean, we've got like ruffles, flowers mm-hmm. on the butt here. Mm-hmm. We've got a leopard print on this lady here, mm-hmm. and a stripy crop top. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a smiley face on the on the boob of this other lady. Yeah. I mean, you're just really going for it. Yeah. I also like, and I wanted to compliment you mm. on, the thoughtfully arranged pillows for everyone. Yeah. So, like, they don't hurt their knees when it's they're important. leaning over Dante. It's very considerate. I think if you give any thought to orgies at all, it's that pillows are very important. And mattresses. <laughs> Believe me, I've given it some thought. <laughs> well... Bravo, sweetheart. Thanks. Um, and uh, unfortunately, this is all a simulation. I know. It's a danger it's, room it's thing. It's the this holodeck. Is the, the holodeck danger room of the Winter Palace of the yeah. Romanov Dynasty. And Dante is just abusing it to have this fantasy of being surrounded by like I don't know. Something, that's, something that projects holograms is called the war room. And you abuse it by having sexy fun times. I'm sorry, that's not abuse. That's that's the way it should be. You make no, love, not war. This they, is literally <laughs> that. Listen, I don't disagree with you, but mm. in the eyes of Lord Dimitri, Lord Dimitri, this is a great abuse yeah. of these tools. What does he know about fun? Nothing. He, Did you ever see him smile? Never. That's true. He doesn't Never. seem he to know smiles. a lot about fun, but he is going to monologue at Dante a bit here, yeah. mm-hmm. explaining to him that the war room constantly creates... Um, battlefield simulations and he's just studying war all the time some interesting technical stuff here because um allison was coloring this at the point at this point and the way she was coloring it was by photocopying the black and white line work which i was mailing to her onto uh, arches watercolor paper and then painting the color onto the arches paper and then that was sent to to print um but because she wasn't i mean she's she wasn't um super expert at like laying down gouache or paint or anything so she couldn't lay out a big flat area of color so this because it's all done by hand back in the day um so rather than do this whole big wash of space behind by hand and make it all uneven and watercolory she actually cut it all up into these little sections to make it look like it's some kind of simulation gram like this like right. some kind of um, this checkerboard you're describing there's irregularities yeah, yeah. in the simulation which i thought was a really clever solution to the problem of like mm-hmm. how to lay down a big area of flat color um without it looking um 
unduly watercolory, which mm -hmm. would have been a problem with, with that because she wasn't using flat gouache or, or oil colors or, or acrylics or anything like that. She was using watercolor ink to do it. Right. Um, so it was a very it was it was a clever solution to the problem. This is a problem. This this methodology of what we were doing to, to do the coloring became a problem, and you can see it a lot in this story. Unfortunately, um, it does bother me. Uh, because of the way the Arches paper took photocopies, um, the the photocopy toner didn't stick well to the paper. Yeah. You can see that later on. Uh, We're not really seeing it here yet. Yeah, but you will see it, and I'll, I'll point it out when we get to it. Yeah. And when, when Dante is printed on bad paper, that doesn't show up. But when it's printed on good paper, you can see there's a lot, a lot of line degradation mm -hmm. um, because painting paint on top of this, this poor photocopy toner on top of this arches paper, it just started to lift. Well, listen, you know, it's a, it's a mark of another time. It really is. You know, I mean, really as much is. as it frustrated you at the time, yeah. I think there's something kind of great about it now is well, that, that there were human hands making this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's part of part of comic production history when you can see these things. There's another bit. technical thing we'll get to later okay. when I get to So um, what's happening in the story is basically just yeah. Vladimir's explaining what his war room can do Lots and swirling this great vista around Dante of... of you know, sort of uh, rings around a planet made up of. Um, this is me going full Jack Kirby. Yeah, meteor chunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah, space stationy <clears throat> kind of stuff happening, and um, uh, is that supposed to be the dark star back there? It looks kind of black it's hole like. It's, back it's an here. eclipse okay. or something. An eclipse, sure. Um, and so Jack Kirby never had to explain himself. He just did shit, and people went, "Oh my God, that's amazing!" Okay. Because space looks like that. No, it doesn't. You got space it. Space never looked like that, Jack Kirby. But it doesn't matter because it looks amazing. Yeah. No, it looks cool. We're mm. we're on board, Simon. Don't you worry. Um, so uh, then basically, um, Dimitri is saying, "Get us this weapon. Get us mm -hmm. this dark star." And Dante's kind of like, "Oh, that's all you're asking. All right." Yeah. The great sure. game is afoot, <laughs> which is a reference to British colonial history, which is, you know, the, the political situation, I think, between Russia and the British Empire in Kashmir and, and Afghanistan or something. So the great game was that conflict, right? Um, which is going on to this day, arguably. Uh, but anyway, this is our great game where the, the two sides are, are jostling for power across the galaxy. And um, we come in on this sort of uh, fashion show that's happening at Draguda. Mm-hmm. Um, it says the colony world regularly plays host to highly lucrative arms bazaars, mm -hmm. right? Um, well, it and looks like the Disney Palace by the look of it. Right, and inside we have a stage where a gentleman is hawking the wares displayed by three lovely women of various arms. Mm -hmm. uh, a big battle axe, uh, some kind of a flamethrower, and a thunder thighs exoskeleton, Yeah, which looks like you had fun drawing. Yeah, I did. Funnily enough, um, it was it was a hoot because we could draw all these kind of like all these. You know what this reminds me of so much is the Cyberwoman get up from the Torchwood <laughs> series, from one of the most maligned episodes of Torchwood ever, where the he uh, Yanto has his his Cyberwoman modified girlfriend in the yeah, basement. This like <laughs> I got here and I thought. Did yeah. they read Dante and just steal that look? You never know. I mean, at that time, I was probably thinking more of like Wallace and Gromit than, than, than uh, Doctor Who, but yeah. Well, it didn't exist yet, not at this point. So you this is interesting. It. I remember where I drew this page. Okay, where I was you? At the time, I was staying in London, and I was drawing it at Detonator Studios, which was 
to my mind at the time, the coolest place in the world, because it was like my, my friend uh, Woodrow Phoenix and Ed Hillier uh, and Jake were sharing the studio space in um, on Old Street in London, which was this kind of converted, I don't know what it was, uh, old industrial space, a very small attic, which had been converted into a comic studio, and they'd been there forever. So the place was just lined with like weird plastic knickknacks and toys. And it was just like absolute comic artist heaven. I thought, that's what I want. I want of a studio as cool as this. So I guested in there for a few days, and I drew that page. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, you would have a studio quite like that some years later some when years you got later. to New York. Some years later in New York, I did yeah. have a studio like that, and that was... That was Deep Sex and then Drawbridge, but um, yeah. yeah, that was the first time I watched in, in Gowanus, studio with, Brooklyn. In, in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Yeah, you did recreate it. I did. That was a very, very cool place. It was a very cool place. It was a wonderful and place. Rest, and much, rest in peace, Gowanus Studios. Much missed, yeah, an incredible, incredible hub of comics. Mm. How many comic artists were there at one point? It was like um, the largest extended comics. I mean, there was like six of us in a room, but I think there was like five, six rooms at one point. So I think we were up to like twenty-five comic artists. All in working space, in the same, all in the same general kind of area, you know, yeah. All kind of mixing and matching, and we had a lot of guests as well. A lot of people came in and kind of like hung out and worked there, or yeah, just came in to shoot the shit. And unfortunately, was closed down because yeah, that's New York for you. Uh, gentrification, gentrification. We couldn't, we couldn't stay there they anymore. still haven't built anything there, have they? Yeah, they kicked us out, and then the, basically the place was left empty for years. And it's yeah, just like, I still don't think it's been opened into anything stupid. yet. It's supposed yeah. to be turned into a brewery now. That was the last thing we heard, but I'm anyway, not convinced. Anyway, that studio does make an appearance in Dante much later on. Oh, exciting. It does. Okay. We'll, we'll get well, to we'll it. Well, we'll look out for that yes. then. And so then this, we uh, see... I don't know if anyone's spotted yet the shape of the stage. Um, <laughs> what? It's a surfboard. Yeah, it's naughty. Oh, you made it naughty. Oh, you made it naughty. I made it naughty. Simon. Made it naughty. It's okay. a weapons manufacturer. You see what happens when you're you're left in a comic studio to draw something? I, made it, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> I made it okay. Naughty. So when we have the naughty shape stage. Yep. And then we have Jenna appearing looking very Dana Scully. This yeah, is probably. this is Dana Scully power suit Jenna. Probably, yes. I mean this is this panel here where she's pointing yeah. the gun right in the guy's face. Right. Is just just a hundred percent looks like Gillian Anderson in the X Files. I think yeah, I was I was definitely aware of Gillian Anderson in the X Files. I mean the time. hair, the look, the, power, the, power the whole the whole bit. I thought if she's going to be an action heroine. She should have a, a, a an action suit. An action suit. Yeah. Um, and so she basically comes in and threatens the guy running this show, mm -hmm. and says, "Where the heck is this Dark Star?" Um, and. Just as she's doing her best threatening, mm -hmm. uh, coming crashing through the ceiling Some is... Somewhat familiar looking people. Yes, this gentleman here with the teeth and yeah. the weird eyes. Yeah. Looks like, uh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, General Kavass. General Kavass yes. that we yeah. met seven years ago. Um, they sort of paratrooper in through the glass ceiling of this... Yeah. Exhibition space. I, I, I do remember um, I was on a train with a bunch of other artists and writers. Robbie was one of them and Frank Quiley was another one. And we were all looking over the stuff I had in my portfolio, which I was very self-conscious about at the time. And they're all looking at the, 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 the guys abseiling off the ceiling going, why have they all got the legs spread out like idiots? And I'm like, well, it's to keep their legs out of the way, you know, so they can shoot between their legs. And I thought, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt very self-conscious about that. I mean, that makes sense, though. 
Well, yeah, because when you're when you're going down, it's like being in in zero g. Your legs are actually a problem. What right. do you do with it? They're in the way all the time. Right. Uh, and if you're hanging off a rope, then your legs are kind of like unless they're breaking you, they're they're just hanging there. They're just weight. So really, everything's being controlled by your arms. Um, so I yeah, think I when I see people come come in in movies and stuff, this is what yeah, they look like. Maybe. I don't know. I, anyway. Anyway. What am I thinking at the time? I'm defending you. I think it yeah. looks great. Yeah. Go with um, Frank quietly. <laughs> I mean, what does he know? What does he know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit, but moving right along. Um, Incidentally, so, he's, he's now on Twitter, so join C. Frank Wiley on Twitter. Yes. Um, and this guy putting his boot right in Jenna's face. Yeah. He just kicks her in the face. Pretty mean. That's really, <clears throat> that's crap. Is that crass? Someone like that, yeah. They all got mustaches. No, they all got, I can't tell. It's Tom they all Selleck. Got mustaches because the they're all assholes. Um, so she's, I love Jenna. She just gets kicked in the face and she still like halts to the guys who are just clearly kicking everyone's ass. Yep. Like halts by order of the czar. I'll use whatever I got. I'm trying to she exert some authority deterred. over this situation. Um, and, then, and then Dante tries to do And then Dante the same turns thing. up right after he calls her a Makarov bitch. Right. I mean, them's fighting words. Mm -hmm. And Dante is going to shoot you in the back. Yeah. And uh, what I love about this hero shot of Dante mm -hmm. with the two like beautiful women cowering around his legs is they just come out of nowhere. They weren't yeah. on the stage before. Like no. I flipped back. These ladies were not part of the fashion show. They just somehow crawled up on the stage and cowered at Dante's feet. Just, just decided to hold it on. They just decided to do it. <laughs> that might have been in the panel description. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and, uh, and so Dante's in the fray. Mm -hmm. And then he's back to back with Jenna, mm -hmm. slapping her butt, saying, aren't you glad I saved your ass? Yeah. And she's pointing a gun at his face like, seriously, if you grope me one more time, dude. I'm saving the last bullet for you. I'm saving the last bullet for you. That gives me something to look forward to then, doesn't it? Yeah. Kissing a bullet's more fun than kissing you. Not half as much fun as pulling the trigger. Oh, the banter. Oh, kids. The banter. Oh, kids. Just kiss already. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we are getting sort of a narration by uh, yeah. Lady Jenna Makarov from the Dark Star Journals yeah. here, which will continue mm -hmm. um, through this piece. Um, so they're sort of fighting in this very... Mm -hmm. It's looking very Star Wars right here. Yeah. Yeah, this bit a lot, here. A lot of that. Um, and you can see some of the transfer issues here you were talking about mm -hmm. in yeah, this, uh, some, in the background of this moment here and the deterioration in Jenna's face here a little yeah, bit of yeah. the, of the copy on the water paper, watercolor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not so bad. Mm. Um, and so they back off into a room and they just sort of seem again to like, like luckily stumble into the room where the dark star is being mm -hmm. held. Yep. They don't mean to go there. Well, they just, kinda end they up just there. kind of end up there. There's something I'm curious about. There's, there's a word written over there. There's two words written over the door here, and I don't know what that is. I can't uh, remember what I wrote. I don't know what it means. It looks like... Bacciapiu? So pew means more in Italian, but I don't know what bacaccia or bacaccia like, means. Yeah, it looks like bacaccia, C-H-A. Maybe I just made up some words. Don't know. Maybe in it's dragutin for something. Um, so this dude just happens to be in this room, mm -hmm. really conveniently positioned to tell them what the Dark Star yeah. is. Mr. But Exposition. Mr. Exposition in his fabulous red robe is here mm -hmm. to explain 
I, I love Dante's explanation of a black hole, though. Mm-hmm. Big black whirlpools in space, which suck in anything stupid enough to go sightseeing around them. Yep. And the guy's like, no. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not quite the scientific and definition. to explain the he singularity. He basically says nothing can ex- escape a black hole, not even light, mm-hmm. and that this gravitational sing- singularity is created by the dark star. So you can basically shoot mm-hmm. a, a black hole into something. Right. And have it be imploded on itself and suck in whatever's around it. Right. Which is terrifying. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like Robbie was like, Death Star, ha ha ha. I'll right. show you a star. Yeah. This is terrifying. Right. Um, so. May or may not be stolen from the Wrath of Khan, the oh, Genesis weapon. Oh, interesting. I don't know. But okay. Is, that seems to be the obvious influence here. Um, well, you, well you're, the, you're the Trekkie of I, this relationship, okay. so. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the Wrath of Khan, come on, everyone's seen that. Like I, five I, times. I don't know if I've seen the Wrath of Khan. What? That's married. the one where he goes Khan at the end. Khan, yeah. No, no I haven't seen that. Oh god. I have seen okay, that stop scene. Okay, po- stop the podcast. We're going to watch the Wrath of Khan and come back. <laughs> Just Cut. hold on a minute. Hold, hold my beer. Um, we will absolutely. Ro- I'm right. we'll, we'll thrilled to watch Wrath okay. of Khan with you. Um, okay, so uh, they kind of shoot their way out of this place because I guess the people who are pursuing them bust into mm-hmm. bust into this room that they're in. Right. And Dante says those ships, I know those ships. Mm-hmm. So Dante is starting to pick it up. Wait a minute. Putting two and two together. Wait a minute. I remember these jerk offs. Right. And um, he says the great game stakes just got a little higher. A little bit. Uh, and makes a joke about not being into long-term relationships. Ha, ha, Just ha. so we know that he's still Dante. Yeah. This is the Dante I love. This is the Dante. Let me just say, this is the Dante I love. This mm-hmm. is the Dante who's like, you know, kind of just finding time to be quippy amongst absolute terror. Yeah. Um, and jumping out of windows. And jumping out randomly of windows. Because there are no flagpoles here. This is very gutsy no of him. No flagpoles. No, no flagpoles to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um... And, well, they are being shot at with, like, weapon miss- ballistic missiles, missiles of it's some like, kind. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we see the squad that is shooting the missiles, mm-hmm. and the guy pulls up his mask, and it mm-hmm. is our old friend, he says. Yeah. I'm re- reacquainting myself with an old friend, meaning Dante, and this yeah. is, why do I keep forgetting his name? Kvass. Vass. There we go. General, General Kvass. Kvass. That's a bad guy name, isn't it? It definitely is. Mm-hmm. And he's got bad guy teeth. Yeah, bad guy eyes. Bad guy and, eyes. And the bad guy mustache. It's all bad here. All these warlords have all got um, mustaches. So we are not entirely sure what happens with Dante and Jenna after they mm. go out this window, but somehow they end up flat against the side of one of these buildings. Hanging off a building. I'm not quite sure physics-wise how, how this happened, but... Physics. We're glad. We mock It's phys- like honor be damned. We physics be damned. mock physics in this comic. <laughs> But we're glad to see they're okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's asking Jenna to hurry up, though he's enjoying looking at her butt. Mm-hmm. And he sa- she says, we didn't all spend our teenage years climbing out of lonely old widow's bedchambers after stealing their jewelry. And Dante in here has to get a, an ageist dig here about yeah. old widows, only young heiresses for me. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Dante. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, still a jerk. I mean, yeah. Dickalai. <laughs> Old yeah, Dickalai Nante. This is Dickalai Nante. Old Dickalai Nante is back at it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jenna has like a moment, like a sad moment of the whole empire is in danger because she failed. She's taking yeah. a lot on her shoulders. Listen, she understands responsibility. She really does. But I mean, I think she might be taking on a little too much responsibility here. And Dante comes in and says, hold up. It's cool. We'll inform the houses of what happened. Mm -hmm. I'll use my weapons crest. And she's like, we. Yeah, there's no we. I'm not into long-term relationships, Dante. (laughs) Shove. And she shoves him out the window. You're the last devil I'd ever make a deal with. And he lands in a big pile of snow, though. Luckily. So she's not exactly Mm. trying to kill him Mm. as much as she could be right now. Mm. No. And he says, I've got a problem with women, Crest. The more they dump on me, the more I fancy them. Aww. And he's looking very cute in this he's panel, by the way. There. Yes, you've drawn him very adorable here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's working on me. Is it? Good, yeah. Good. It's working that's, on me. That's, so. that's what we're going for. <laughs> <That's> what... <laughs> Let's overlook his obvious asshole tendencies. And... It's just, you he's know, so cute. He's, he's got the floppy hair. Mm. floppy hair covers a multitude of sins you're flopping your hair at mm. me as, yeah. as we it. have this I'm tossing it boyishly at you you're still taking the recycling out okay. um sure so we move on to another part of the great game mm-hmm. we're in part four now uh our part still in our part one yep. uh but this is the fourth installment mm-hmm. um of the overall story and um we have the battleship potemkin yes like got, the movie, the yeah, battleship like, like Potemkin. Exactly ripped from the Eisenstein movie and from the Russian history. Yeah. The famous uh, battleship Potemkin mutiny. Which is a wonderful film. It's tremendous. And film. you should absolutely watch it. We have Go watched watch it, it as the, we watched it right as the pandemic started. I know. We watched Battleship Potemkin and that was. It's amazing. It's a really amazing movie. Yeah, really truly. Is. Um so here we see a rather grand, you're mm. doing doing those historical and film history uh, references proud here with this ship. Simon, you want to talk to, about this design well, a little bit? A, I mean, a ship is a, is, is a machine that works in two dimensions on, on top of water. So this is a three-dimensional warship. So I thought, how would a three-dimensional warship look? So basically it moves in all directions. So I thought basically took the idea of a warship, of a, of a, a ship of the line, and like rotated it. So you get this kind of like, it works on an axis, so there's like things pointing out to all sides, which can be weaponry of some kind. So it's rotating like Babylon 5? It's like rotating? Well, maybe there's some rotating parts to create okay. an artificial gravity. I'm not right. 100% sure of that. Okay. But um, I wanted it to have that kind of like, it to, have, to look like an old battleship, but one that works in three dimensions, not just... No, it's not like Yamato, the battleship Yamato, which is a famous Japanese mm-hmm. uh, ship. It basically is a two-dimensional warship in space. This is a three-dimensional, the idea is being a three-dimensional warship. Mm. Well, it's very cool, and this this part here is reminding me of uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, the, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the Miyazaki, mm. those those big, yeah. big shelled things. with the eyes that go red or blue, right yeah, the front yeah. of this thing. I didn't I didn't make the the, the red is, is Allison's innovation. Right, well, it looks that's, pretty good. Yeah, it looks great. It looks, good. it looks great. Well, well, I love it. This is wonderful design yeah, here. So here we're meeting an important character. We are meeting an important character. There is a rather stately and impressive woman. Yep. With her hair sort of floofed into a peak yes. which i love and a mm-hmm. high collar which i also love mm-hmm. um and a nice manicure and she's telling dante that he can address her as madam director or she madam is the director. director general of the romanoff off-world intelligence right um i love madam director she's based on maggie smith 
that was my inspiration. For well, her. I didn't do it. I'm not doing a portrait of Maggie Smith. I'm just her energy. Her energy. Her energy. It's Maggie well, Smith energy. I'm loving it. Hmm. It's great. Yeah. And please feel free to call me Madam Director Simon. Uh, whenever you like, darling. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, the the dynasty trusts no one. She says, I t- "I'm telling you, you guys are X Filesing all over the place mm-hmm. here." Um, X Files was on TV at this time. So yeah. Prob- I'm sure what year Robbie is this? Ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure Robbie was watching yeah. X Files. Well, I certainly was. Yeah, we all were. Um, we all were. It. Everyone um, watched the X Files then. And uh, she's basically saying it's best we remain nameless and faceless. Mm-hmm. Attachments are a liability in the game. I love go. how everyone's just talking about the game. The game. The game. The great game. The great game. Indeed. You know, it's very like Game of Thrones. They're like, the game. The game. Yeah. Well, we the were, game. We, were, we predate you Game do of Thrones predate by it. a significant You margin. sure do. When is the first George R. R. Martin book written? I have no idea. Actually, I don't know. It's possible he wrote some of those in the early 90s. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is possible. I certainly wasn't aware of um, it, but yeah. I, I, I don't quote anyway, me on that. But, it's it's um, almost certainly he's quoting from the same historical record. Oh, of course. Were. He was very inspired by by historical... Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? History? <laughs> historical records, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, basically she's telling him, uh, Madam Director's telling him the Potemkin is the operational command of Romanov Offworld Intelligence mm-hmm. Network. And possesses the firepower of a small dynasty. There you go. Um, and we see that it's also like a, a proving ground. There are a bunch of guys in black that are repelling and fighting and target practicing. Yet another reference to um, You Only Live Twice. It's a James Bond movie. Where they're, they're, there's the one where they're all training inside the, the all the sort of ninjas are training inside a volcano. I don't think I've seen that one yeah. either. There, there's a bunch of James Bond I haven't seen. Okay, well, yeah, there's a bunch I of mean, James Bond. There's, movies. there's problems with that movie, but part of it is that it's referenced extensively as this idea of um, like this training facility yeah. inside the sort of. And I love lair. these guys that are just getting a flamethrower like blasted onto them. <laughs> like, what I mean, part of the training that is dummies. that? Let's assume they're dummies, <laughs> or just gullible. <laughs> Maybe they're testing like their fireproof body armor or something. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but in any event, Dante's being very roguish here mm-hmm. because, uh, Maggie Smith, not Maggie Smith, Madam Director is saying that they're teaching them blackmail, deception, cunning, theft, sabotage, skill at arms, seduction. Mm. I want to know which part of this complex is dedicated to teaching them seduction, seduction. and why we aren't seeing it. <laughs> um, but... Later. Later. Okay. Um... And Dante is saying, oh, I guess some people, you know, just have to work hard at those things. And others, oh, it just comes naturally. You have to hear that said in the original Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and uh, I, I love this woman, she says. Child, if your flippancy masks nervousness, then please relax. I'm not your enemy. I'm like, ooh. She sees right through him. Right through, right through him. him. Oh, honey, yep. Yep. you're being so flippant. Don't be nervous. It's okay. I was yeah. like, ooh. I know. Ooh. She's good. That's cold. She's good. My shoulder feels cold. She's good. Um, and he tries to like double down on the mm. insincerity by way of coming back. And it's, I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah. But um, he turns around and falls in love with a Romanova Strikehawk. Romanova Strikehawk, yeah. You want to talk about designing this little baby? Well, this uh, this little red Corvette, little of, red a, Corvette. of a ship. It's, I was going for Ferrari, but yes. yes. Well, I was just thinking of the Prince it song. Was, 
it was designed to look as much like a Ferrari and um, a phallus as possible. It's very phallic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, he says, where's mine? And she says, oh, honey, please. <laughs> please. You'd have to sell your crappy little Rudenstein five, ten times over. And nobody would buy it. And no so, one would buy yeah. it. Yeah. Good luck, um, And then we come into the uh, some sort of, like, meeting chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, which has the, the Macintosh chairs. Yeah, my chairs. You put them in all your comics, eh? I do. I hate drawing chairs. I really, really, really... Drawing a room full of chairs, like, you want to make me unhappy, so draw a room, a restaurant. Draw a restaurant <laughs> or a cafeteria. And there's, like, little tables with little chairs and people sitting in there. Like, oh, oh, it's such a pain gracious. in the ass. Because everybody knows what it's supposed to look like, so everybody knows if it's wrong. So you've got to spend mm. a lot of time doing it. And, like, I'd rather draw a gigantic cityscape of the future um, which will take and tables me, and chairs and chairs tables, tables and chairs in a boring space. Got it. So anyway, the chairs I draw are these uh, Rennie McIntosh high back chairs. Yeah. Um, and the reason I do that one because I'm a big fan of Rennie McIntosh, but also because I own one. Yes. Uh, it's a, in our dining room. In our dining room, it's a copy, uh, which I had made in Tanzania by a local carpenter because I thought this guy's up the road and he's really good. And I thought, do you make me a chair? Uh, so I have this photograph in a, in a newspaper and I gave it to him. He said, do you think you could copy that? And he went, yeah, no problem. And he came back with this rather amazing piece of work made of tropical hardwood. Um, but he didn't understand the scale of it because if you know Rennie Macintosh chairs, they're very kind of architectural, very tall, very, very elegant, but they're quite delicate. Um, so my Tanzanian carpenter uh, didn't understand the delicacy part because he's African and delicacy isn't really part of African carpentry. Um, he made this massive thing, which is so heavy and so big and so impressive. And it's just like, I thought we were going to get like six of them made. Like to sit like around a, your dining, dining table. Set. No. Like, there's no way. This is like some kind of like star council. It maximum really is. Intimidation. Yeah. It's too big. Don't they have, don't they use those chairs in Babylon 5 when we were just watching it? They do a version of it. They do a version of them for their star council. There's a kind of like 90s uh, iron steel version, um, which they use. Um, But it's definitely inspired by that. But they could be on screen somewhere. Anyway, we love our chair. Our wonderful (laughs) one chair. It has its own corner. Um, It it stands by itself. (laughs) So this chair is what I use every time I have to draw a chair. Because I'm so... So much. Well, so like I might as well make it an interesting chair. Well, they look great yeah. around their big round table, right. and we are watching footage of the Dragoton mm-hmm. disaster. Yes. Um, and there's a mysterious figure. There's in green. a mysterious figure in green watching mm-hmm. it go up in flames. Yep. And uh, we're also seeing the Voigt Kampf comet yep. passing Runner, through. Blade Runner reference, obviously. And. Uh, and and it will become important later as it, well. Obviously, yes. Because and why draw? Because why draw a giant comet with a name unless you it's know Chekhov's later. law of comics? Right. Um, oh, very good. Thank you. Um, so this man turns around and it's Romanov, Valentine Romanov. Yeah, we haven't met him before. He's who supposed... the f is this guy? Well, he's supposed to look like Sean Connery, but I didn't. I oh, the likeness, I see it. It's better in the bottom right. I panel. see they, it. They are, but it's it was kind of difficult to get. Yeah. Anyway, anyway I, I likenesses were not my extreme forty. But point. what is this? Another Romanov sibling that we have not heard no, of yet. And Dante not. saying, "I I thought I knew all the family, and we are right there with it. We thought we knew all the family. Yep. Apparently, no. no, no. Dimitri's loins will not be sated 
No. There are more children out there. He just kept making them. He did. And he says he's the blunt instrument mm-hmm. of the Romanov dynasty. Yeah. And uh, the Madam Director says he's their prime executive action agent, mm-hmm. as dedicated to the dynasty as his father, Dimitri. Yes. And he has a hollow implant on his face. So we're not seeing his real face. So we're not seeing his real face. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this little, like, ridge back on his jaw that, that is mm. showing that he's got a hollow implant. And no one has bled more in the name of the Romanovs than Valentine. Yeah. So that's... Not at all foreshadowy that we're hearing about yeah. this. And um, they start sniping at each other. Dante calls him ugly. He calls Dante weak. And mm-hmm. uh, the madam uh, director is like, boys. Okay. Yeah. Settle down. S- settle down, siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to figure out who attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the name of the Draguta. place. Draguta. Thank you. Who stole the Dark Star? Who did it? And Dante's like, I already know I because it. I have tangled with these folks before. And yeah. he says, I've been chased by the best and my weapons crest analyze the blood of the attackers I kill. Mm-hmm. Is there anything this crest cannot do? If it helps the plot, nothing. <laughs> no. Nothing. <laughs> it is It is truly, truly a, a, a wonder. It's the author in the machine. <laughs> It is. Um, and he's saying, you know them, I know them, the warlords. The warlords. The warlords are back. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ellie's, Ellie's family are back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's basically, uh, Valentine is saying, perhaps they've relinquished the safety of commercial pursuits and are adopting a policy of aggression. Um, and Dante is saying... Oh, no, he's saying, this is, sorry, mm-hmm. the, the, the point there. He's basically saying he hears that Elena de... De Janissaire. Janissaire is one hard bitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, just a warning, we're about to discuss suicide a little bit here. Not really, it's code. Yes. Um, but uh, you might want to skip through maybe uh, 15, 20 seconds. Yep. Um, basically, they're using suicide as a metaphor for a really good assassination. Right. Doing it so well that it looks like someone's taken their own life and I guess not getting any of the blowback that comes sure. with assassinating people. The perfect murder. The perfect murder. Very mm-hmm. good. Um, and so Dante is like, whoa. Yeah. That's intense. And he learns that his old girlfriend, uh, Eloise, Mm -hmm. is now in charge. Yep, she's the boss lady. She's the boss lady. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Valentine is threatening to come and do this uh, very, very skillful assassination Mm -hmm. on her. And Dante's like, hey, uh, listen, I've got a special in of diplomacy here. Mm -hmm. Diplomacy being what's in my pants. (laughs) I'm very good at this. Right. Why don't we just let me in and see if I can uh, get yeah. what you need? Um, and he Dang then the drops bomb. the bombshell. I know her well because we're married. There you go. We're married. So this is his wife. Yeah. Um, and uh, then we move on to the final bit mm-hmm. uh, of this part of our read through, part yep. one of the yeah. great game. And we open right with Eloise walking amongst her field of battle, observing people getting all manner of terrible things done to them. Right. Spikes in their heads. Uh, they're fighting to prove their worthiness. Worthiness. 
so I should point out here that the, the, the voiceover part here, um, which explains the warlords, um, is from uh, Mercenary Warfare by Lord Peter Flint. Lord Peter Flint. History of Mercenary Warfare by Lord Peter Flint. That's a reference. If you know British comics of the 1970s and 80s, uh, you'll know there was a comic called Warlord, uh, which was published by DC Thompson's and Dundee. And the lead character in that was a guy called Sir Peter Flint. Wow. Yeah. That so is a deep cut, nerdy deep reference. Cut, deep cut, nerdy I love reference. it. Um, and we are on Fortress Ares, operational command of the warlord mercenaries Stolotov's mm. world. So that's yeah. where uh, Elena, or I'm sorry, right. Ellie, Eleanor is. Yes. Elena's the mom. References don't um, stop because uh, panel one, two, three, we've got this guy who's obviously won a very Pyrrhic victory. Um, who's lost all his fingers. He's lost his fingers, his, face. his teeth, his face. Um, yes. He seems to have defeated a treen who is uh, a Venusian from um, from Dan Dare. Oh. Another British comic reference. Wonderful. Yeah. I bet a lot of people listening are, are fans of Dan Dare. I know they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we see our Ellie looking much more hardened than we last left yeah. her. Um, Seven years have been got, tough on her. She's got scars on her face. Mm -hmm. um, and she just has a serious look. Yeah. She's very sort of cute- and, you know, she guileless some, before. She got some guns now. She's really, really tough. She's definitely got the Lyndall Hamilton arms mm -hmm. thing happening. Yep. Yep. And um, she's walking amongst the field looking at, like, the new recruits, I guess. Yep. Looking like she knows what she's doing. Like, she, like she's leading it. And the guy, one of the guys comes up and tells her, hey, we got this new dude who you mm -hmm. should take a look at. He's, uh, he's offering to prove his mettle. Uh, by shooting at this droid blindfolded. He's doing some Luke Skywalker yeah, action here. Yeah. And um, takes it out, takes out the, mm -hmm. the, the drone right. with a couple of shots. And Ellie comes forward and says, that's a good way to get yourself killed, stranger. And he pulls off his helm and says, I'm too cool to kill. And we, we learn that this is Ellie who gave him that line. Yeah. yeah. Someone told me that a few years back. Think she mm -hmm. still feels the same way sure she doesn't <laughs> and her face says no no <laughs> nope um and just cool uh, enough <laughs> just cool enough for me to kill um but still uh not entirely because she takes him back to her mm -hmm. penthouse apartments yep. and she opens up this little compact she has that shows this sort of like um, like hologram the, photo. So the efficient looks like an Elvis Presley impersonator. Yes, he does. Kind of. Yeah, you've so done yeah. the little pompadour yeah, there. Little on pompadour, his head. and he's got the dark glasses on. Yes. Just saying. And um, it's it's their wedding picture. It is. And she still has it, and mm -hmm. she she does the of all the gin joints in all the world. Yeah. Casablanca line. You have to walk into my assassin's world my assassin's worlds and more foreshadowing that this is not going to end well um and she kind of gets angry at him understandably mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um she says why should i not put you before a firing squad he says if you're that bloodthirsty you're like your mom and i told you i'd dump you and she's like really That's... you're lucky i didn't dump you in a grave back at the arena and he says, do that a lot? Seen a lot of men to their graves? She's like, no, but you might be the exception. Mm -hmm. And he says, we're married. I can't hide from that forever. And she's like, no, just seven whole years that yes. you've just right. been gone. He's laying um, on the smarm here. Yes. And it's just not working. And 
he says, if you can't forgive me, then you should kill me because I'm dead without you. You're my wife, Eloise. I want us to be together forever. And she punches him. Punches him in the And I feel like she punches him with the weight of all of us. I believe. Reading this. Absolutely deserves it. Nice try, Nikolai, she says, but I'm not a little girl anymore. She is not. I was so with her in that moment. (laughs) And uh, he says, uh, she says, now that I'm a woman of substance, um, will you try and ooze back in there like a slug, divorce me and take half of everything I own? (laughs) Which like, fair. Um, But he he says he could still never lie to her. Mm -hmm. And he pins her to the ground and says, I'm rescuing you now. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm here for you now. Yeah, look at that. Look at the look at the chemistry going on there. I know. I mean, Fizz. it's fizzing. she wants she wants to hate him pinning her to the ground. She's kind of into it, but she can't. Her yeah. hair has come free, yeah, free from her business ponytail, yep. and it's flapping around her face, which mm-hmm. is always a sign. Yeah. Um. Uninhibited. Yes. Shut up and let me rescue you. Yeah. There you Ooh. Go. There you go. Oh my goodness. There you go. Um. And and I love how she just looks so much softer after this, mm-hmm. you know, now that they've tussled. Um, and basically he's saying he, he's not, I mean, as much as he's kind of smarming it up here. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he is trying to rescue her now, oh, yeah. right? So to. Romanov dynasty is on the verge of declaring war on you, except it won't be a war. It'll be a massacre. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't have any quarrels with the noble, uh, noble houses. And he explains that the Dark Star is this weapon that mm-hmm. one of your cruisers has just stolen. And she doesn't know anything about it. And she that. doesn't know anything about it. Oops. So, you know, when we saw her in charge of this army, it's like, oh my God, this bloodthirsty woman. She's like, sent, she's stealing this Dark Star. This, she's the guy's second in command. But no, she's actually in, in the she's dark been, here. She's been hoodwinked. She's been hoodwinked. So she's not quite so hard and evil as we might have thought mm-hmm. at first. And, and yet... We have General Kvass, who is just exactly is as hard as just exactly as much of a, a prick as you thought he was. Yeah. And um, she basically says this really sad part mm-hmm. where she says, you're not a thief anymore. You're an aristocrat of the Romanov dynasty. And I'm the leader of an organization which rapes and murders for money. We both became what we always hated, Kolya. Yeah. And their, their faces in this panel just... Yeah. I remember the first time I read this, and mm-hmm. these faces just got me right in the heart muscle. So good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Kvass shows up yep. and says, excuse me, sorry to interrupt all this kissy face, yeah. but this is a coup, yeah. and it will not be, be bloodless. bloodless. Yeah. And that is the end of the first part end of, the first of part. our read-through of The Great yeah. Game. There we go. Woof. Okay. There's a lot in there. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. I'm happy with how much we sort of set in motion there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is one of our longest episodes yet. So far, it's mm-hmm. the longest. Um, so we are closing the book on Dante for today, but we will be back next week with The Great Game Part 2. We hope you enjoyed our podcast, and if so, please subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review so other people can find the read-through. Yes, please. Follow us on Twitter at PodTGDR. Let us know what you think about the podcast, about Dante, comics, whatever's on your mind. I'm Edie. I'm Simon. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.